check is flat. Give me up. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. He's been broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Black Zero. Oh, my God. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Mile 101 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast presented by Run In. We're excited to spend this time with you, and we're stoked to announce our relationship with a new presenting partner, Due South Coffee Roasters. Due South does both wholesale and retail sales, and you can visit them in Greenville at Hampton Station, or check them out online at DueSouthCoffee.com or on Instagram at Coffee. They locally roast high-quality, ethically-sourced beans, which yield a better cup of coffee. My guy Ryan is a friend of the show and director of operations at Due South. He's committed to developing strong communities, plus he's committed to running. And his head roaster, Benjamin, is also a serious, accomplished runner. These are guys you and Seconds Flat can get behind. We're looking forward to sharing more details as well as discount codes you can use in the near future. All right, let's catch up on some weekend action before we attack the meat of the episode. The U.S. Half Marathon Championships were this past weekend in Hardyville, South Carolina, and BYU's Connor Mance wrapped up one heck of a month. After winning his second individual NCAA cross-country title a few weeks ago in Tallahassee, Mance took the road half crown with a winning time of 60 minutes and 55 seconds. That performance moves him into the all-time American top 10 for the half marathon. Combined with his 10K success on the grass, it sets up Mance as potentially the next big young gun on the U.S. marathon scene. 37-year-old Kira D'Amato continued her hot streak in the women's race with a championships record time of 1.07.05. It was also a big weekend for a couple friends of the show out west at the California International Marathon. Eddie Garcia, our guest in episode 56, set a new personal best with a two-hour, 17-minute, and 45-second marathon. And our friend Kelly Woodard bounced back from an injury and disappointing race at Boston to run 13 minutes faster in sub-three hours at CIM on that short, quick turnaround from less than two months ago. Okay, let's jump into our main topic, easy ways to improve your easy days. If you haven't listened to mile 93, I encourage you to start there. In that episode, we took a deep dive into the nuances of easy and recovery running. And now we're going to expand with a discussion of how we can supplement those runs to make them even more valuable and add a little more nuance. 
to that easy and recovery day schedule. If, like many of us, you are only using your easy days to jog around slowly without any other skill development, you are missing a golden opportunity. Yes, there is a place for just running easy. We've spent a lot of time in this space sharing with you the virtue of not turning those easy days into medium pace days that never allow for true recovery or for the ability to press your harder sessions as much as you want and need to. And no doubt consistent easy mileage is at the heart of building your aerobic engine over the long term. But often we could add a few minutes onto our easy days and build very valuable skills. Or we might even trim a few minutes of running and replace it with something else that is just as or more valuable. Many of us often neglect these ancillary activities because it's easy to fall into the habit of just going out for a normal run and taking a shower, eating breakfast, and heading off to work. We've checked the boxes of the aerobic metabolic and recovery benefits with our easy miles and we move on. But a more mindful and intentional approach to easy days has the potential to make us significantly better runners. So what are the little things we can do to capitalize on our easy days? Or rather the seemingly little things that actually pack a big punch. We're going to take you through a list of five options in detail to supplement your easy running. First, the category of strides and diagonals. Strides and diagonals. If you aren't doing strides regularly, you are sacrificing a chance to become a much more efficient and faster runner. You can do strides nearly year-round. And if you are doing them now, you most likely could do them more often. Are you using strides once a week? There's no reason you can't work toward increasing that to twice. In East African running groups, strides and diagonals are particularly common. For example, there's the Ethiopian cultural belief that speed is a use it or lose it ability. And almost all of their runs end with fast running like strides. This neuromuscular skill can be honed frequently, but contrarily, we see it among the first to degrade when we're injured, sick, or even in a poorly executed taper. So to review strides, strides are approximately 15 to 20 second bursts of speed in which we gradually accelerate to near max speed, hold, then gradually decelerate. Generally, each effort should average around mile pace or slightly faster. But more than a precise pace, the emphasis here is form and a product is improving leg turnover. We should look more like a sprinter in our form while running strides. The knee lift is higher. Our arm swing is larger, closer to the hip pocket to eye socket swing we see from sprinters. We're driving down into the ground, creating force, relaxed in the upper body, eyes ahead past our target, still above the shoulders with a slightly forward lean. It's not quite a sprinter's form, but certainly an exaggeration of distance running form. So it looks more like your closing kick, but with control and great form. 
as we accelerate within each stride, we also increase pace across the set. Your last stride should be a little faster than your first stride. So how many strides within a set to best develop this skill? We may need to start small while first adding these in. Ultimately, a set could be up to 10 repetitions. And for more detail to see these in action, uh, check out our YouTube channel, Seconds Flat by Run In, and see examples of using strides for distance runners. Another benefit here is that strides can help create appropriate muscle tension the day before a hard workout session or race. In those cases, we might only need four strides to get the necessary dose. Now, on to diagonals. Here we take strides and shift them to run diagonally across a grass or turf football or soccer field from one corner to the opposite corner. This distance makes a diagonal slightly longer than a traditional stride. Frankly, I occasionally use diagonals not just to get a slightly longer stimulus than a stride, but to keep things fresh and mentally engaged. But the diagonal structure also provides a great opportunity to work into your normal mileage without much change. Imagine running the diagonal, then easily jogging the sideline and goal line back to your starting point. That jog tends to be an ideal recovery between reps. Whereas if I do a stride up the sideline, I'll typically walk across much of the shorter goal line to the opposite sideline for my next stride. In this way, I'm outlining the entire field, making a box with two strides per lap. But if you're in a time crunch and want to get the most bang for your buck combination of running mileage and strides, then that could be another reason diagonals are a great option. To expand on that recovery between strides or diagonals, we don't use a hard and fast rule, but for every 15 to 20 seconds of effort, I generally use at least 45 seconds and typically about a minute. Remember, in that composition, we're targeting neuromuscular work here, not aerobic. But diagonals also can take on the role of a workout of their own with pace changes, one that becomes aerobic or one that can be used for recovery. So that's a topic we might discuss more in the future. At the least, strides or diagonals fit into your training the day before every workout session, but could be something of value to you on your easy day two or three times a week that take very little time and are not a fatiguing effort. Option two, strength. I particularly like body weight or light weight circuits the day after a very hard effort as a way to expedite restoration through hormone release. This can be a short circuit that takes only 15 or 20 minutes. Combined total body exercises like push-ups, various chin-up or pull-up grips, single leg exercises such as the Bulgarian split squat, single leg deadlifts and calf raises, as well as medicine ball exercises like X's and O's or walking twists, medicine ball slams, that can create a great circuit. I will plug the perfect pull-up, the bar that I have on the doorway to my bathroom that has multiple grips you can use. This is a 
really affordable way that you can get an overhand, underhand, close, wide, or hammer grips to work your upper back. Push-ups and pull-ups can be the basis of any good upper body lifting program for a distance runner. Now, you can go to heavier weights. Our guiding principle with strength work is there can be a time and a place for heavy and powerful lifts as a distance runner, but that timing shouldn't compromise your quality running sessions. So the day before a hard interval session, for example, is not the opportune time for squats, Olympic lifts, heavy weighted lunges for many runners. And understand that those heavy lifts serve a different function than body weight and general strength activities, which can be considered more restorative or maintenance activities, especially for the person who doesn't lift weights as regularly. Of course, the other piece to that is working your hips and core. We once again referenced in the last episode our video on hip and core strength and mobility work that's on our YouTube channel. There are so many good examples out there. I often actually like putting these after harder sessions so we can work on those stabilizing muscles while fatigued. But just tacked on at the end of an easy day can be a great place to start. Uh, one reference I like here is Coach Jay Johnson's work along with Coach Richie Hansen of Roots Running Project, who we've had on the show, in which they do a strength and mobility series where they target certain activities for your easy or hard days. And that's available on Coach Jay Johnson's YouTube page if you just search SAM or strength and mobility. A third option to add value to your easy days are drills. Drills can take a variety of forms. The most common would be focusing on mobility, coordination, and specific range of motion by replicating some of the dynamic activities you do during your race or hard workout session warm-up. Again, we have a useful video for these on our channel. Some examples might include high knees, butt kicks, snow angels, karaoke, iron crosses, and scorpions. I like to move from smaller to larger ranges of motion when incorporating these, whether on easy days or pre-race. If you have access to a local high school or college track, you can extend the mobility drills into a hurdle mobility drill series. Hurdle drills like walkovers, backward overs, and over-unders are exceptional for improving hip mobility and agility. I think we'll have to get a video up on the YouTube channel soon with some of those examples because they are highly effective and not just for sprinters and hurdlers. May have to place a call to friend of the show, JR, as your special guest demonstrator for that one because that cat has the most explosive hips in the game. Some might say he is straight out of a Lewis Riddick NFL draft prospect breakdown video. Another option you can include every day that only takes a couple minutes would be a lunge matrix and or leg swings. Before starting your run, begin with a series of multi-directional lunges in front, to the side, reverse, 
with perhaps four lunges or so in each direction and each lunge getting farther and deeper. The goal is not power. Instead, it's a simple activation exercise to prep your body for running. Then after a couple miles or maybe 10, 15 minutes of easy running, take a brief break and do front to back and side to side leg swings. I find eight to 10 swings in each direction on each leg an appropriate number. And the range of motion in your swings likely should increase as you move toward the end of the set and loosen up. Notice after doing the leg swings how your lower body feels better, more open, and more ready for running. Furthermore, we often see a natural progression in pace after our leg swings, which is a great way to use your easy and recovery days, starting slow and letting your body progress through easy paces. Circuits of more powerful drills are valuable as well. A skips, B skips, skips for height, bounding as examples. But be aware of how your body responds. While mobility and coordination drills often leave us fresh and more prepared for future hard efforts, more explosive running development drills might create muscular fatigue as you adapt. In turn, placing these a few days out from a hard session might be preferable for you. And that leads us to our fourth modality, short hill sprints. Say you usually do long runs on Saturdays and a midweek quality run workout on Tuesday or Wednesday. Once every week or two, short hill sprints could slide nicely into one of your easy days. If you like that Tuesday workout, the hill sprints may work on Thursday. If your session is Wednesday, then consider Monday for the hill sprints. Both scenarios leave easy or off days before and after your easy plus hill sprints combo day. Part of the reason I bridged the power drills and hill sprints is that you might be less likely to do these consistently now, and the power outputs here can create soreness. But remember, this stimulus becomes less demanding and stressful as you adapt. The same is true with doing a bodyweight strength circuit the day after a hard session. If you're doing zero strength work, it might be really tough at first. Over time, you'll find it more restorative as you adapt and respond to the associated positive hormone releases. To review hill sprint protocols, these are most frequently employed as 8 to 10 seconds uphill at near max speed. I use the caveat near because since we are running uphill, it is impossible to run at maximum speed. Recovery intervals are critical between your hill sprints. Again, if you're crunched for time and need to fit the miles into a busy schedule, then set up a crit so you can attack the hill and keep jogging the loop easy between efforts. At least 90 seconds and as much as three minutes is preferred to allow a full recovery. Eventually increasing to as many as eight or 10 hill sprints is ideal. So imagine you have an hour to run. Eight hill sprints with a little over two minutes of light jogging recoveries 
can be sandwiched between 20-ish minutes of easy running both before and after. Now you've created a really nice and effective hour run. And if you aren't pressed for time and prefer a walk back recovery, that's completely appropriate. Walk down the hill, walk around, then jog into the next rep. Sprinting uphill provides the added benefits of decreased eccentric load, which reduces injury risk and the potential for delayed onset muscle soreness, as well as activating muscles differently than track sprints, which also reinforces the value in wetting hill sprints with strides in your training. Then you'll get the benefits of both while also emphasizing the race-specific skill of running fast on flat ground through strides. That's what you'll need to do on the track and in many road and cross-country races, so we need to work on it in practice. Option five is to split it up. We've talked about the short, easy double after a morning workout session as a great way to jumpstart the recovery process by getting the blood flowing. The motion is lotion theory of recovery. But what about on your easy days and even if you aren't a high mileage runner? Here, the double potentially provides benefits of frequency and recovery. Look at the training logs of past American running greats. You can get online and easily access Bill Rogers' detailed running logs from the 70s. Look at how often he and many of his teammates trained. It wasn't just the total mileage, it was the frequency. Many of the top runners we interview have that same habit of fitting a run into the free space of their days. And there's a real argument to be made that the frequency is just as valuable as the total volume of running. It equals more exposures to the desired stimulus. However, that doesn't have to equal overtraining and burnout. Take this as an example. You ran a hard workout today and are planning to run for an hour easy tomorrow, but you're tired. What if you broke that into two 30-minute sessions, one in the morning and one in the afternoon or evening, and then slept in for an extra half hour. It's possible you might be more recovered following this schedule. So there's a place for a double as a true recovery mechanism. It doesn't need to be just the province of high mileage elite marathoners. Moreover, consistent heavy single training bouts have us riding a fine line between superior fitness and injury. According to the principle we discussed in mile 100, I would rather be slightly undertrained and fresh on race day than overtrained and overcooked. Splitting up the run may save your legs for the long haul. A favorite double we use with our high volume athletes on easy days is 60 minutes in the morning and 30 in the evening. This may provide long-term dividends of frequency and recovery as compared to running 90 easy minutes in a single bout all the time. The double could also be a nice method in your aerobic development when you're in a base phase and or aren't yet able to extend your longest runs. Renowned coach Renato Canova sometimes prescribes a double of 60 minutes of running in the morning and 60 minutes again later in the day for his athletes during their base. 
It's important to remember though that a double doesn't necessarily take the place of a long or medium long run. Talk with your coach or training partners about how those runs fit into your schedule. For example, if 10 miles is your designed midweek medium long run, that's not the same as splitting it into five and five. We have key aerobic and muscle tendon joint differences between those runs. Not the same doesn't mean better or worse, just different. Each has its place. Be aware of what the goal is for your day and why you are doing what you are doing when you are doing it. I encourage you to refer to mile 78 for more on medium long runs. And a final thought on doubles. You could combine one of the earlier points we covered, like drills or strides, with your double and again boost the bang for your buck. To review, our five easy options for improving your easy days are strides or diagonals, strength, drills, short hill sprints, and splitting it up. If you have thoughts or questions, please email us at secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy the program, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast provider. This is the easiest way for new listeners to find us and helps us keep providing content. That's all for Mile 101. We look forward to talking to you again next time on Mile 102 of Seconds Flat. See you then.